0: Right, if you'll find the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah once again, Uh, we've been in this chapter for a number of weeks, and uh, we're going to conclude this chapter uh, this evening. And in verses 33 through 40, we uh, left off in verse 32, and uh, really the sad state of the the Jewish people uh, was at the forefront where the Jewish people had uh, basically been led astray by the false prophets. And uh, we realize uh, tonight, and we realize in this study, uh, that what has been on display in this text uh, is not just the false prophets. Uh, They were no doubt partly to blame for Israel's uh, defiance. But remember that even apart from the false prophets, the depravity of man uh, is so deep and so intense that we should never take for granted or think that I would never do that. I would never turn away from the things of God, or I don't have to be reminded to seek the Lord. I'm I'm a saved person tonight. I I don't need that reminder. Well, we all need that reminder. Uh, It's very simple in our lives to to realize that uh, we can become insensitive to what God is trying to teach us. Uh, One of the most dangerous things that can happen to any believer is to have an unteachable spirit. An unteachable spirit is one that simply says, uh, I no longer need guidance. I no longer need instruction. I have gathered all that I need to have. Now, what we understand happening here with these these infiltration of the false prophets who had led some of the Jews astray, Jeremiah is preaching in a day and age much like we see today. There are false prophets throughout the land. There are true prophets. The true prophets are preaching the word of God. They're preaching faith. They're preaching repentance. They're preaching the truth. But at the same time, there is a false prophet uh, mentality that's going on wherever we go. So to look at this and say, well, this would never happen in our day, it just happened to Israel, Uh, we need to understand we can very simply uh, also be led astray by these things. Now, God has said throughout the Word, and we'll see this tonight, that uh, there are always consequences when we reject God. Now, spiritually speaking, to reject God eternally or to reject Him as Savior, obviously we know that that results in a sad consequence of the eternity spent in hell, a place where there will be no escape, where the Bible describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, where we're talking about eternal separation from God. But we also need to remember that there is consequences, even earthly speaking, when we reject what God is saying to us. Now we're going to see a phrase used a number of times. I didn't count it as we were, as I was preparing this. But we're going to see in our text there's a phrase that's used a number of times that describe uh, what the Lord is trying to say, or in other words, how it's, it's, it's framed. The, uh, the Jews were in such a depraved state of mind. They had, had, had got to the place where they were no longer teachable. They were no longer sensitive. And the Bible describes what God is trying to do through them or to awaken them. It's called a burden. As a matter of fact, in verses 33 through 40, you you will see the phrase either the burden or the burden of the Lord a number of times. And that's really, we're going to kind of focus in on that phrase. What does that phrase, what does it mean? But remember, all at the same time, we have the Jews who are being led and assisted by these false prophets, that the Jews, God's chosen people, had come to regard God's word with a sense of hatred. In other words, the, the word that they used to love, now they hate it. Now, we think, I could never hate the word of God. But yet, I could tell you story after story of people who were once uh, very connected with the things of God, who are no longer connected with the things of God, and I think it would be fair to say that it's not just a, a dislike of the things of God, it literally has turned into a hatred of God. Now, how could that happen? Well, we see this phrase again, and we'll we'll look at this in verse thirty-three. Let's let's read uh, these uh, verses together. It says, "And when this people, now that's a reference to the Jews, or the prophet, or a priest, shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord?'" Now, let's stop here for a minute. This is the Jews, the prophets, a reference to the false prophets and the false priest, and it's it's being framed here when. When they come to you, Jeremiah, and they say, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt say, then, shalt then say unto them, What burden? Now this is powerful. I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. Here's what's happening. The consequences, Jeremiah is is, is being told. Uh, when they come and they ask you what this burden is. Now he's been preaching. Jeremiah's been preaching the truth. Here's part of the consequences. God says when they come and ask you now say, what burden are you talking about? Now remember, last week, Jeremiah, for lack of a better term, was hammering them. He was telling them what they were guilty of. He was telling them, listen, don't have anything to do with the false prophets. Now God is telling him, when they come and ask you, say, what burden? Almost as if, what are you talking about? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. And as for the prophet, that's the false prophet, and the priest, and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Thus shall ye say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more. We're going to talk, touch on this in a little while. God's basically telling Jeremiah, don't preach to them any longer. Wow. Don't don't preach to them, for every man's word shall be his burden. In other words, God's given them over to what you believe, what you think. That's now your burden. And we'll talk about what the word burden actually means because that's important. For ye have perverted the words of the living God of the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee, and what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, and I have sent unto you, saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. I told you this phrase is just repeated. I'm not even counting. Therefore, behold, I, even I, will utterly forget you, and I will forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. And I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten. Again, notice that repeated use of the word or the phrase, the burden of the Lord. Notice especially the word burden. Now a burden, scripturally speaking, is, can be defined as either an utterance or an oracle. Now we don't use those terms much. But we might say it's, it's a prophecy. It's a, it is a, it's a message. So the burden of the Lord is an oracle or an utterance of the Lord or a message of the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying. So you have this, this, this should be, this should be a terrifying thought. Now, why should it be terrifying? When, when the Lord is speaking, it should be an, an, a reverential thing for us. Uh, even when we read the scripture, it shouldn't be mundane. And as if we're just reading an article on the internet or in a newspaper or whatever, that it's not on the same level. It's a message from the Lord. It is what the Lord is trying to say. So this burden is now Instead of being received by the people, it has been rejected. God has threatened them with vengeance all through chapter number 23. We've seen this over and over and over again. And although God's word is the same, they're no longer moved by the threatenings of God. They're no longer affected by it. It no longer makes them do anything to the place where, what do you mean burden? What are you even talking about? They should have been moved and trembled about the reality that God was angry with them. Now, again, sometimes people will say, how do you make a message like this encouraging? Folks, sometimes you can't make a message encouraging. Sometimes you've just got to look right at what the truth is and realize sometimes the Bible is not filled with an encouraging message. It's filled with warnings. And the warnings are just as important as the encouragements. Now, for every warning you see in the Bible, you could probably find an encouragement of the Lord. We live in a day and age today where people want to hear all about the encouraging things, but they don't want to be reminded of the negative things. And what's happening here is this word that should have moved them, this burden of the Lord, it should have humbled them. But instead of being humble, they became prideful. Matter of fact, we've seen throughout the chapter, they became more than prideful. They were actually enraged. The prophets called their prophecies from the Lord burden. So when when Jeremiah would stand up and he would preach, he would say something to that effect. Hear now the burden of the Lord. It's hear the oracle, hear the utterance, hear the prophecy of the Lord. Now God is going to condemn this most shameful thought that the people who should have held God's word as precious were now holding God's word in contempt. In other words, they were saying, God's word is nothing to be counted as worthy of anything. We're not going to respond. We're going to act wrongly and disdainfully towards God. It's to treat God's word with open contempt. Now, this is not the contempt that we may sit and listen to a a message or listen to a preacher preach, and we may be sitting there mockingly saying, I really don't want to hear this. This was open contempt. There's no question, I've, any preacher will tell you that they have preached in services or meetings where they know that there was contempt and disdain for the word of God that maybe wasn't open, but they knew it was there. They knew there were hearers who, were, who were just hated the word of God. These were, this was open contempt. This is like, we're not even hiding it anymore we we hate the word of God, Jeremiah, we don't want to hear it anymore. And th- verses 30 through 40 is God's response to the disdain and open contempt and hatred of God's word. God basically says, okay, no more burden, no more preaching. I'm forsaking them, I'm forgetting them, and I will not be amongst them anymore. So verse 33 through 35, I kind of gave you some headings tonight. And what I'm going to do is just really give you some summary statements. Sometimes we'll go through, we'll pull every phrase and we'll talk about every word. We're going to look at each verse. I'm going to kind of give you some summary thoughts about it. But first of all, let's let's think about the burden of the Lord was was that the sinful Jews would be forsaken. The sinful Jews would be forsaken. Uh, The true prophets in verse 33 let the people know that they should have responded to the threatenings of God. Uh, They should have not denounced his judgments. Uh, They should not have looked at them as something that could be disregarded. Verse 33 almost gives the idea when God says, what burden? It's almost as if God says, you know what? My word is so wearisome to you. My word no longer affects you. And because of those things... I've grown weary of you. I'm no longer going to speak to you. I'm no longer going to heal you. I'm not going to heal your afflictions. You don't want to be healed. Do you realize tonight that even some of the most negative scriptures that are hard to read are there's a healing balm about them? We often think, well, the only scripture that's going to heal me is the things where it says God loves me. That is true, but it's healing to awaken us to the reality. What if I'm slipping into this kind of mentality? What if I'm slipping into a mentality where I'm not listening to God's word like I'm supposed to anymore? Or I sit amongst a, on a service and I say, you know what? I'm tired of hearing this. This preacher of this little church, he keeps talking about salvation and he keeps talking to him. I'm just weary of it. Look, don't ever grow weary of the word of God. You might grow weary of the man who's delivering the message, but don't grow weary of the word of God. Jeremiah was probably the most unpopular preacher who ever lived. Nobody responded favorably to him. Yet he continued to go and to preach and to give. It's almost as if God in verse 33 is saying, I have persistently preached repentance through you, to you through Jeremiah and the prophets, but now because you will not listen, he says, I will even forsake you. Now there's a, there's a verse in Hebrews that talks about, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Here's an example of where God says, you're not gonna even listen to my words anymore. I'm going to forsake you. Jeremiah in that same verse says, repeats their question you're asking what burden here's the burden God gives now here's the message he's forsaking you my word God says is burdensome in your eyes you desire to be rid of it you're going to get your wish no more prophecy no more preaching you're getting your wish now one thing we don't understand we don't understand what it is to be forsaken by God we don't we can't comprehend that Because no matter what any of us have ever gone through to this stage, we've never been forsaken where God no longer speaks to us. That's what's happening here. There's no more prophecy, I'll forsake you, and that's going to be a far worse burden than the burden that I was giving you before. In other words, what's worse, hearing the message of God that's saying to repent and turn from your wicked ways or not having God's word at all? Which is the worst burden? Not having God's word at all. So that's what you see happening here. Verse 34, he says, and as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. We've got to take note here of the wickedness and the depravity of the human mind. Do you realize tonight, and I hope I realize this, it is the design of God to preach unto sinful man, to rebuke us, to convict us, to bring us to saving faith. It is a gift to have the word of God delivered to us. Now, in Jeremiah's day and age, there was no copy of God's word. They did not have a Bible that they put out on their dining room table. They They didn't have the ability to get up and do what we call our devotions with God or study the word of God the way we have it. You realize we have the entire word of God, all of it laid out before us, every word that we need, nothing more to add to it, nothing should be taken away from it. We have it all. And it's not just for our enjoyment, although it, is, it ought to be a joyful thing. It's also for our reproof. Sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is to be reading our Bible and instead of being like uh, encouraged and, and floating on air, it ought to bring us down and say, you know what? I think I might be in this place. I need, uh, I need a wake-up call. Now, again, God gave us the gift of his prophecies not to burden us, but rather to make us more like him. Now, what what does every true prophet in Jeremiah's day desire? They desire to see repentance. They desire to see faith. They desire to see righteousness. Every true preacher of the Bible today desires those three things. If a man stands up before a congregation and does not desire to see repentance and faith and righteousness, it's fairly certain you can label him a false prophet. If he's only speaking smooth things, if he's only saying things that the people wanna hear, he's only speaking about those things that make them uh, just feel good about ourselves. But how does man respond when repentance is preached? Faith is preached, holiness is preached, righteousness is preached. Sadly, like the Jews did here, they responded by rejecting mercy, rejecting grace, and rejecting God's favor. God desired to warn them about the false prophets. That's what Jeremiah has been doing all through the first part of Jeremiah 23. He said to Jeremiah, go and warn the people, whatever you do, do not deal with these false prophets. Avoid them like the plague. And yet, instead of responding to his merciful call and his gracious call and his favor, they went along with the false prophets instead. Verse 34 also reminds us, I will even punish that man in his house. What does that tell us? That literally says that whosoever mocks the Lord's word or the burden shall be visited in wrath. Mocking God, mocking his threatenings, mocking his judgments. He says, I will not only punish him, but he'll punish the entire house. Look at it says, I will even punish that man and his house. Now I know it's popular today to say, wow, I'm so glad God doesn't work this way anymore. The Bible doesn't say God God ever changed to where he said, I can no longer pour out my wrath or I can no longer be angry or grow weary, weary with you that's, that's a, an invention of man. We've just decided, well, we're the, we serve the New Testament God. The New Testament God is not a God of wrath. The New Testament God is the same God that was the Old Testament God. There is still a desire by God, his burden, the burden of the Lord, is that his people would repent, there would be faith, and there would be righteousness. Now, verse 35 is an interesting phrase, a verse. It says, Thus shall ye say every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother, What hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? The meaning of this text is that the Jews were to renounce all of these blasphemies against God. They were to prepare themselves to hear the word of God so that their depravity and their wickedness would not prevent his word from being believed. In other words, Jeremiah is telling them, he's saying in essence, later you're going to change your expression. That There's coming a day when you are going to say, what is the Lord's answer? What, is, what did the Lord say? It even talks about that in verse 36, and at the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more, for every man's word shall be his burden, for ye have perverted the words of the living God. The results of God's judgments will be, You will begin to address the prophet with a more reverential approach. You'll no longer call his message a burden, but you're going to say, what has the Lord answered? In other words, you're going to be pleading for God to speak and he's not going to answer. Now, this is one of those mysteries. We have a hard time understanding this. So part of God's judgment is going to bring them to a place where they're going to want God's answer and they're not going to get it. Now that's scary stuff right there. Imagine wanting God's answer and now they're going to actually be respectful to Jeremiah. Say, Jeremiah, please tell us the burden of the Lord. But yet in verse 36, God tells Jeremiah, don't mention my prophecy anymore. In other words, part of their punishment was that they're going to desire to hear from God and God's not going to speak. That, my friends, is an extremely scary place to be. To interpret it, they're going to to desire to come willingly and to be teachable, but nothing's going to be there. Now, the second part of this, beginning in verse 36 and 37, is that the burden of the Lord, and we've already mentioned this, was to be of no more concern to Jeremiah. In other words, as a prophet, Jeremiah's job, his office, was to deliver God's message. Okay? Okay. We're not prophets in the sense that Jeremiah was a prophet in this day and age, but preachers have one concern and one concern only. It is to deliver the message of this book. That's our only concern. Now imagine, now Jeremiah is being told, no longer mention my burden. Just no longer mention it. Jeremiah continues to preach the same subject and yet the Bible says for every man's word shall be his burden for you have perverted the words of the living God of the Lord of our ho- of the Lord uh, God Lord of hosts our God. Everyone seeks to be his own prophet, they all complain against God, they'll not accept his judgment, let them be. Understand that no matter how quiet God's ministries, ministers may be, false prophets will always rise up. So even if all of God's preachers today went silent, all of them went silent, there would still be false prophets and that would be enough for God to condemn them for preaching something false. In other words, even if God didn't have heralds heralding the truth, If he was to say to every preacher, and by the way, the Bible doesn't say this and we don't get messages from the Lord that do not line up with scripture, but if he was to say to all the preachers who were preaching the gospel faithfully, cease, stop preaching the truth, false prophets would still rise up and still preach that which was false. As they mockingly had called all of God's prophecies burdens, God was going to take them at their own word. All right, you're now your own prophet. Verse 37, thus shalt thou say to the prophet, what hath the Lord answered thee and what hath the Lord spoken? Now, this is the people who are asking the prophet Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah, what has God said? What has he answered thee? What is he saying? Verse 38, but since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, and I have sent unto you, saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. It's a mouthful. It's a lot there. Jeremiah repeats God says, I'm speaking through my true prophets. If you want the benefit from the word of, uh, the word of God, he said, they're going to want the benefit. It's not going to be there anymore. The burden of Lord number three would cast aside the ungrateful Jews and bear the Lord's reproach. Verses 38 and, 37 and 38 were very much showing us that they had made a grave error. What error had they made? they had made the error of disregarding the word of god look what verse 38 uh, verse 39 says therefore behold i even i will utterly forget you and i will forsake you and the city that i gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence the consequences would be that god would cast off look what it says both city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. Imagine not having God's gracious presence in your life. When we're saved, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we never have more and we never have less. We have the fullness of God now. We have all of him. It's a presence we take for granted. We often don't stop in a day and think about the reality. I literally have the indwelling God within me. God dwells in me. He's he's not some uh, it, nebulous thought. He's not in the atmosphere, although he's omnipotent. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere equally at the same time. He's dwelling in the believer. When you look at this, now again, this is before the Holy Spirit came. Now how to, came into people, why? Because we know that the Holy Spirit did not come and dwell in believers until after Christ had Been crucified, buried, rose again, and ascended. That's why he said, I will send a comforter. The Holy Spirit did not dwell people the way we think of it today. But he says, I will cast you out of my presence. They would no longer have his gracious mercy, his favor, his grace. It was removed. He would no longer do them good. Now, Israel had every reason in the world to praise God for the goodness. They had every reason in the world to say, we were God's chosen people. We received the oracles of God first. They were the ones that received God's messages and the prophets. They came to God's people first, the Jews. I'm going to remove that presence and all the good that I had done to you in the past. You're no longer going to be the recipient of my goodness. Now, we understand about the nation of Israel. We understand about the Jewish nation. We know that even unto this day, there is a blindness that has come upon them. Now, that doesn't mean that the Jews are the only blind that there are. There are are plenty of Gentiles and people of every nation who are blind to the truths of God. But there will be a glorious day when the eyes will be opened again to the nation. But think about what had happened here. And he says it in verse 40. He says, and I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you. Imagine not having the favor of God, but also having an everlasting reproach. Although we, can, we could go in earlier chapters of Jer, uh, in other books of the Bible, we could go back and we can see where the nation of Israel actually did glorify God. They thanked God for his presence. They thanked God that they were his chosen and special people. They thanked God that uh, he was there, uh, he provided benefits, he provided for them. But yet through these false prophets that had come into the land and through the own depravity of their own nature, they found themselves forfeiting all of those blessings and they rejected God's word as being the sole authority. Now we can't make the excuse today Well, I disdain God's word now because a false prophet got to me. We can't say, you know what? I forgot God or I put God away. I don't love God's word anymore because the false prophets got to me. That's more proof that we are to know where we stand, know what the truth of the Bible is, and be able to recognize that which is false when it shows up at our doorstep. If anyone should have known these false prophets were wrong, it should have been Israel. They should have known it. And there's a part of this that you look at it and you say, did they know? Well, there's a part of it that makes you say they probably did know and they were living up to the depravity of their nature. They said, yeah, we know this doesn't exactly line up. But you know what? We've grown tired of hearing about repentance. We've grown tired about hearing that we're sinners. we're, we're, We're tired of that. You know, pastors hear this all the time. You preach too much on sin. You preach too much on repentance. You preach too much on holy living. You preach too much on these things. That's what the preacher is supposed to do. But Jeremiah warns them that they will not only be a reproach, they won't just be a reproach for a few days, but they will be an everlasting reproach. An everlasting reproach is something that will never be forgotten. Look what it says, a perpetual shame. This would be something that will always be remembered. Now this is just a very basic and crude illustration. We're talking about it tonight we're talking about the failure of Israel towards God's prophets. Now today, we're also very tempted to look and say, boy, I'm glad I'm not like those Jews were. We could just as easily, in principle and in practice, we could just as easily be right where they are. And we could get to a place where we could forget the benefits of God, we could forget and grow weary of hearing the truth I never thought we'd see a day and age when people didn't actually want the truth, and we're there. We're actually living in a day and age where people are literally, they're all but saying with their mouth, you know what, I know that's the truth, but I don't want to hear it. I know it's true. I've dealt with people that I could see them. I could show them a scripture, and I could see them. Yes, I agree with that, but I don't like it. It's not that they don't see it, they don't like it. And again, that's where we start to wonder, have we fallen into a place where we we could grow weary of God's word? Jeremiah warns them that after God takes their glory away, they will stay in perpetual shame. I will forsake you and I will forget you and your shame will never be forgotten. Now, one of the most miserable people would be those who have been forsaken and forgotten of God. If you and I were to say today, I've been forsaken by God, I've been forgotten by God. Now, I know people have believed that. I've, I know believers can get so despondent that they will actually say that God's forgotten me and God's forsaken me. And you can assure them on the authority of the word of God that he has not done so. It's a feeling, but he hasn't actually done that. But God had taken Israel to be a special people near him. Imagine being the people God had taken under his wing, and yet now he's cast them out of his presence, all because they rejected the truth. It is a mark of a great sin and the arrogance of man to trifle with God's word. To say God's word, this burden of the Lord, it's really not that serious Jeremiah had spoken over and over and over again in this chapter and in the previous chapters, all the things that they were supposed to do, all the things they were to avoid, they were warned over and over and over again, do not hearken to the voice of the false prophet. We're very quick to say, yeah, those false prophets are going to get their due. They're going to be, uh, they're going to have to stand in judgment before God and they're going to give an answer for what they did. Absolutely true. But don't lose sight of the fact that even those who trifle with the word of God, those who should have received the word of God, we're all going to have to give an account for every idle and every profane word that we added, that we did, that we said. That adds to our shame. Now, again, I'm not going to claim here tonight to say, now you're going to walk out of here today and say, that was the most encouraging message I've ever heard. But it is truth. It's not one of those messages that leaves us out to say, wow, I got something. But I will say this, it ought to lead lead us to leave here saying and praising God and glorifying God that he has not forsaken us, he has not forgotten us, and that we still are his people. If you're saved tonight, you have the greatest benefit eternally you can ever have. Because Christ in his in his uh, desire, came down, reached down unto you, called you unto himself, and has adopted you and brought you into the family of God. So yes, I hear a harsh message and I say, look, I got to go home and I've got to look at my life and I've got to consider and think, am I growing tired of the word of God? And then realize it was this very word of God that saved me. It was this very word of God that brought me to repentance. It's this very word of God that leads me in a life of faith and righteousness. Help us never to grow weary, and we ought to take heed every time the word of God is read, every time it's preached, every time it is taught, to listen and heed the words carefully. It's so easy to come into even a church service and say, you know what, I've heard this before. I know what the preacher is going to say. He repeats himself all the time. You're exactly right. That glorious story of being reminded of what we are, what we truly are, what we would be if we didn't have the Lord, we need to be reminded of that over and over again. This is is what we would be if we were without Christ. If he was to forsake us, we would be cast into hell for all of eternity without absolutely not any hope at all. But by his mercy and his grace, he saved us. Guess what God has to do every day? He has to be long-suffering with us every single day. (laughs) He has to show patience with us every single day. And yet, we have this assurance that he has not forsaken us and he's not forgotten us. Very simply, let's take heed to be sure that we, we are very careful in how we hear the word of God and what we consider the word of God to be. All right. Well, that's all for tonight. Let's go ahead and stand and uh, we're going to be dismissed in prayer.